Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson prepared for the brothers and sisters worldwide. Today's lesson will be called The Making of a Slave, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into some of the, you know, the program and the mentality amongst slaves, brothers and sisters. Now, when we say slaves, automatically people just think black. And it's not only aimed towards black people. It, in, you know, originally it was aimed to control a certain people. But now all the children of Israel are dealing with the things that we're going to go into today, brothers and sisters. There's a certain mentality that comes with being a slave. A lot of people don't understand. You know, they think, well, slavery was just you working for somebody else. And they're, they're not sensitive to the fact of the things that we've gone into. A lot of times when you're dealing with people of other races or other nationalities, they're not sensitive to this particular subject because they couldn't fathom it in their mind. But what we're going to learn today is that captivity was more, you know, 80, it was, let's say, 70, 30, 70% of it was mental, brothers and sisters. It was mental captivity. It was mental slavery. There's certain behaviors that our people perpetuate that keeps us in the spirit of, Servitude, And we're going to touch on it today, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to read 12 through 14. Jeremiah 2, verse 12. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, said the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. For who? My people have committed two evils. So if you didn't know you were Israel, you wouldn't understand this is speaking directly to you, brothers and sisters. And that's the importance of knowing your national origin. Even if you're not Israel, it's still important for you to know who you are through biblical literature. Or you won't understand the the beauty, the deepness of the Bible, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns. Right, it says hewed them out cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's just like having a bowl, right, that has a crack in it and you're trying to put water in it and it continues to just drain out. So this is what this is talking about, brothers and sisters. We have committed evil against the Most High, against um, ourselves, against the Bible, brothers and sisters. And for that, we have been enslaved, not only uh, mentally, or not only physically, but mentally, brothers and sisters. Verse 14. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Read that again, brother. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is it saying that? Are we homeborn slaves? Because we perpetuate the mentality of a slave, brothers and sisters. And you're going to find that out today. As long as we fight amongst each other, you know, for the crumbs, that's fine. Gentiles are not worried about that, brothers and sisters. Because of our disobedience, the Most High allowed Gentiles to exploit our servitude or captivity. Can you read that? Uh, read 13 and 14 again, brother, please. Jeremiah 2 and 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he spoiled? Is Israel a homeborn slave? Because why is our mentality, brothers and sisters, even though we're not physically being whipped and beat, that's only half of, not even half of the slavery, brothers and sisters, the slave mentality and other races don't understand it. This particular mentality started with who? The Judeans, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi. But then it spread to all the rest of the tribes, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove it today through scripture, brothers and sisters. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why? 
because we can't picture anybody else serving but us. In fact, we we add to that slavery by the way we treat each other, brothers and sisters. It's beneficial for the Gentiles to keep us in a slave mentality, brothers and sisters. And we're going to go into why. We're going to Mark chapter 3, verse 25 in the gospel. New Testament, brothers and sisters. The making of a slave. This lesson will... This lesson will highlight the characteristics that are perpetuated amongst the people of color in order to for them to continue in slavery or servitude is much more than just physically working. And I hope, you know, today today's lesson, brothers and sisters can examine it and say, am I adding towards our captivity? There's certain behaviors that they have taught us and programmed us to not trust each other, amongst other things. We're going to go into it today, brothers and sisters. Mark 3 and 25. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Read that again, brother. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. See, so if we're one people, but yet we're divided, we will fall, brothers and sisters. This is what the Bible is telling you. There's value in unity, brothers and sisters. A kingdom that is cross-purpose with itself will, you know, eventually tear itself apart. Read that one more time, brother, please. Mark 3. Verse 25, and if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So Christ is illustrating the fact that success relies on congruency, brothers and sisters. So even in a home where there's a home, if the father and the children and the mother are not on the same page, usually that falls apart because you have to be unified, brothers and sisters. So what? So we have had Gentiles come into our communities and perpetuate the differences amongst us in order for us to fight. Julius Caesar had a Famous quote, it was divide and conquer. Look at the, go look in Korea, how you have the North Koreans and the South Koreans who are the same people who are fighting against each other, brothers and sisters. How is that? Because you had Edomites go into the land. Who could do it better than Esau, than the Edomites, than the Romans? To go into a land and then start identifying differences so now you split apart. The same way they do with us, give you religion, give you all these other things, right? In order to divide us, we must be unified, brothers and sisters. If you can divide a people over small differences, they're much easier to control, to overcome. Read that one more time, brother. Mark 3, verse 25. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. See, so the Bible places an extraordinary emphasis on the value of unity. It's okay to have differences, brothers and sisters. That's what makes us human. It's the way God made us. Differences aren't the problem. It's how we handle those differences, brothers and sisters. There's power in unity. Unity is vital to building a strong and vibrant nation, brothers and sisters. So this lesson hopefully will have us galvanized behind Christ, behind his doctrine, behind the truth of who we are. We're going to go to Genesis 11 and 1 to prove to you that during the Tower of Babel, when everybody had the one thought of mind, the one language, the Bible tells you, that they could accomplish anything. That's a lesson. Let's go to the Tower of Babel, brother. We're going to read Genesis 11, 1 through 6. Genesis 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. The one language, one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they, they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. So at this time, there was only one language, brothers and sisters. Everybody spoke that one language. 
So Nimrod had the bright idea to build a tower into the heavens, a tower that wasn't just a tower, but it had technological uh, um, advancements. There was stargates. There was the technology for it to um, transition you into heaven, brothers and sisters. So it wasn't just a tower. Continue, brother. Verse four. And they and they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole so earth. So they wanted to go up into the heavens, brothers and sisters, so they could fight against the Most High, so they could be viewed as the Most High. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, this people is one. Read that again. The, this people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. See, so when people are united in one accord, brothers and sisters, there's an awesome power. And, you know, this particular testament or this particular story is the power of oneness, that these people were with one ideology, one understanding, one language. So, therefore, they could accomplish anything the Bible tells you. Read that one more time, brother, verse 6, please. Verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold. The people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Right, Go. right. So, brothers and sisters, to for this to hit home, imagine that you want to do something, and then be certain that everybody would work together to accomplish that goal without confusion. Right? Just imagine that. Just imagine you have a hundred little yous out there, right? Mm-hmm. So they can go to work for you. They can do everything that you would want them to do. And you would benefit from that, brothers and sisters. Just imagine you had 20 other yous that you could just say, all right, you go to work today. I'm going to lay down. <laughs> right? You cook the dinner. right? You go get the groceries. And it's all you. So, brothers and sisters, there's power in being unified. There's power in oneness, brothers and sisters. So we have to learn to be together and not magnify our differences. It's okay to be different as long as the doctrine is correct. You know, we at this church, we meet tons of brothers who are Israelites who have different beliefs. As long as the doctrine is right, hey, everything else we can work out. As long as the doctrine is right. You know, people have different foods they like, different, you know, different garments they like to wear. All of that's fine. But we must be unified, especially in the presence of Gentiles. For me personally, I do not argue or go back and forth with my people in public. It's just not going to happen because Gentiles love to see that as entertainment. They sit back and look at it while you arguing with your brother, while you arguing with your sister. That's funny to them. They love that. So I make sure they never see a chink in our armor, brothers and sisters. If we have an un- a, a disagreement, we'll leave here and then we'll talk about that disagreement. But out in public, in front of others, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You don't see Asians fighting each other, right? you probably never seen that unless it was a movie. They don't fight each other in the streets. You rarely see other nations doing that. And that's something we need to instill, brothers and sisters. Don't go against people who look like you. Even if they're wrong, there's a time, there's a place, there's a season for all things, brothers and sisters. But it's not in front of everybody. Because why? We're trying to perpetuate the truth of us being God's chosen people. If we're fighting with our own people out in the streets, then you're actually going against what you've been teaching. So if you want people to believe the truth of who the Most High is, who you are, who we are, we have to learn to be unified, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Genesis 2, Mm -hmm. verse 6. 
And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Right. So, brothers and sisters, clearly it's showing you that if you all have one language or one speech, one understanding, that we could accomplish anything, brothers and sisters. Right? The same way, once Adam and Eve were divided, once they had a different plan on things, everything fell down. So we must be unified. And this is for those who have, you know, who are, you know, mother and father who live together. You must show uniformity in front of the children, brothers and sisters, because you're one and you have to perpetuate that. There's strength in that, brothers and sisters. It's just like being on a football team or a basketball team. Everybody don't agree with everything somebody do. You may not like his music or his food, but what? They come together to win. So we think a lot of times, oh, everybody on that football team is together. They look together. They all like each other. When a lot of times you have players on teams who don't even like each other. But for the better of, you know, trying to get the most out of, um, you know, their skill set, they put all of that aside. And we must implement that, brothers and sisters. Even though we have differences and disagreements, in order for us to rule, we got to be together. Because why? The Jewish people, you attack one of them, you attack all of them. They stand up for each other, brothers and sisters, all throughout the media. The Koreans do the same thing, brothers and sisters. The white people do the same thing. They stick up for each other. And we must do the same thing, brothers and sisters. Gentiles treat us no respect, give us no respect, because we don't treat each other with respect. So if you don't respect the brother that looks just like you, I have no respect for either one of you. That's how they look at it. Let's, let's move forward. Go to Luke 16 and 8, brother. We must be unified, brothers and sisters. We're going to go over the characteristics, the traits that make a good slave and see do we perpetuate these things in our communities, not just the Negroes, all tribes. See, are we dealing with this in our communities? Let's go to verse 8, brother. Luke 16, verse 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Read that part again. For the children in this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. So the children of this world are wiser than we are, brothers and sisters, in regards to, you know, uh, worldly matters. Because why? They have the knowledge of evil. They have no law, no rules. It's just like, you know, Batman. There were certain things he couldn't do, right? Because he was righteous. But then you had the people that was going against him who they could do anything. Shoot, kill, right? Poison. There were certain things Batman couldn't do because he was upper echelon, just like you, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of life. See, so these people are, they have more understanding under evil than we do under good, brothers and sisters. And we're going to go into it today. We're going to go into one of their records. Where a slave, a slave master from the West Indies wrote a letter called the Willie Lynch letter, brothers and sisters, to plantations here in America on how to control the slaves for up to 400 years, brothers and sisters. This was documented. This is written. So, you know, we're going to go into it and we're going to show you why it says that the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. They would look at the Bible and see the things that would cause a nation of people to fall and then they perpetuate those things. So they'll look at the weakness and then use it against us, brothers and sisters. We're going into the Willie Lynch, which was uh, 
It was written in 1712, brothers and sisters. We're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the, the first. <clears throat> Gentlemen, I greet you here on the banks of the James River in the year of our Lord, 1712. Right, brothers and sisters, this was in 1712. So a lot of people think slavery was just being whipped. But no, there was planning that went into this, brothers and sisters, that still devastates our communities today. I am here to help you solve some of your problems with slaves. So he was there to to help the the uh, slave masters control their slaves, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> a foolproof method. Re read that again, brother. I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. One second, brother. All right, brother. What page are you on, brother? I am on page eight. All right. Page eight in the Willie Lynch letter. I would urge all people of color to get this book, brothers and sisters. It's not that long. It's only about... Uh, <clears throat> 20, 25 pages, but it goes into the preparation, the mental preparation that these people who were oppressing us went through in order to continue this oppression, brothers and sisters. We don't act the way we act just because that's the way we are. We were programmed, brothers and sisters. Our society, our environment shaped our perception. We're going to show you. Uh, read that from the top, brother. I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. At least how long? 300 years. Now, this was written in 1712, brothers and sisters. So 300 years was about 2012, which is when, on a large scale, a lot of people found out they were Israel. So this worked, brothers and sisters. They were looking to control us for 300 years. Because why? There was going to be an abolition of slavery. They understood that the way that the outside world looked at it was barbaric. So they said, okay, we need to, quote unquote, free them, but keep them captive mentally, brothers and sisters. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. Continue, brother. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. Read that again. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. And I take these differences and make them bigger. Read that part again. And I take these differences and make them bigger. See, so we already read that a house divided, a nation divided can't stand. So now this particular, he was a psychologist, a Satanist, a demon, brothers and sisters, said, I take their differences and magnify them. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust. And envy for control purposes. See, for control purposes, brothers and sisters. Distrust. So we wouldn't trust our own people, brothers and sisters. That's not that we just don't trust each other. This is what they programmed us to believe. So when you walk down the street or to the store and there's 10 brothers that look like us out there, you would grab for your wallet. You would be a little timid. But if it's Edomites or white man, you, you walk right in there, no problem. Right? If you have the, if there's a chance that you need to have heart surgery and there's a white doctor and a black doctor most of the time you're going to pick the white doctor 
It's just how it is, brothers and sisters. This is how they programmed us. Read that again, brother. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. On top of my list is age, but it is there only because it starts with an A. The second is color. So this is the way they would magnify the differences. They would magnify these differences within our people, brothers and sisters. On top of my list is age, but it is there only because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. See, so now colorism. So the dark versus the light. These are the things that they will perpetuate in order for us to go against each other, brothers and sisters. Divide and then conquer. So now they're dividing us up into these subgroups. The second is color or shade. There is in, there is intelligence, size, sex, size plantations, status on plantations. So you would have the field Negroes and the house Negroes. They would use that in order for us to internally destroy us ourselves. Status on plantations, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley, on the hill, east, west, north, See, south. See, so they would use direction, west coast, east coast. They got us fighting amongst that now, brothers and sisters. West Coast, I'm from the South. You know, I don't like those New York Bamas. Or I'm from New York, I don't like those country uh, people. These are the things that they would get us to, you know, believe, make us different from each other when it's the same blood running through your veins, brothers and sisters. On the hill, east, west, north, south, have fine hair, coarse hair. Or it's tall or short. So they would magnify the difference in the hair. Some would have that kinky hair, right? That curly, kinky hair. And some would have the stringy, straight hair. So they would use that, brothers and sisters, in order to, you know, have us go against each other. Based on who had the good hair or the bad hair. All hair, all of our hairs, brothers and sisters, is beautiful hair. All of it. And the other nations look at us and they don't understand because they see the beauty in us, in our skin color, in our hair, in our style. But yet we look at each other and say, I don't like that girl because she's that color and she gets all the attention. Right. Or the brothers would say, you light skin, you soft. We would start telling brothers they soft because they light skin. This is what they this is what they programmed us to do, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, from uh, on the top of my list on the top of my list is age, but it is there only because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. There is intelligence, size, sex, size plantations, status on plantation, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley, on the hill, east, west, north, south, they have fine hair, coarse hair, or is tall or short. Now, now that you have a list of differences, I shall give you an outline of action. But before that, I shall assure you that distrust is stronger than trust. Distrust is stronger than trust. So they would use us not to trust each other. For us to think that we're always trying to get over a thief. But we would trust them. Distrust is stronger than trust. And envy is stronger than a, adi, up, adult. Adulation. Adulation. Yes. Respect or admiration. See, so envy. They would have us envying each other, brothers and sisters, by what? Different brands, by how somebody look or their status. They would use these things. It's, it's crazy how when our people get some money, 
especially in the ghettos, they would get a new car or something, and then they would drive all around the block so everybody can see them. Like, yeah, I just need to, I need to just stun on these slaves. Even though I'm a slave too, I just need to show all these slaves that's here with me that I just got something new. Or I need to get this jewelry so I can be different from my brothers who don't have it. They would do this, brothers and sisters. They would push envy, brothers and sisters. Go to the uh, next page, brother. <clears throat> don't forget... You must pitch the old black male versus the young black male. Read that again, brother. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male. See? So they would use age. So they would have the youth have no respect for their elders. The elders would say, he too hard-headed. I don't got nothing for him. They want the elderly to die before instilling what? Instilling the, the, the values in the young men. So they would put us against each other. Well, you just an old, you know... Right? So we would be going against each other in that fashion. Don't forget you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male. And the young black male against the old black male. You must use the dark-skinned slave versus the light-skinned See? slave. See? So usually the light-skinned slaves would work in the house. So they had more, you know, they, they had it a little easier. They're still a slave, but they had different opportunities. So, and usually a lot of times that came from a slave master grabbing up one of our sisters and forcing himself on her. And usually that's how you got, not always, but that's how a lot of the lighter ones got that privilege. They're still a slave, but because you came from the slave master, I'll give you a different position in the house instead of working out in the fields. So this continued to breed, brothers and sisters, this internal fight amongst our people, the light skins, the dark skins. And that's not just in with the African-Americans. You have... Those of Hispanic descent who think that the lighter ones are better or better looking than the darker ones, brothers and sisters. There's a brother named um, Sammy Sosa, who I believe he's the tribe of Manasseh, I believe. I think he's Cuban. And he was a beautiful, dark, you know, mahogany. Yeah. And now his, he looked like Pepto-Bismol, brothers and sisters. <laughs> there, there's Puerto Ricans out there who don't deal with people who don't look white. They only deal with those who look white. A lot of the Puerto Ricans, brothers and sisters, are having an identity crisis right now. Because why, some Puerto Ricans are as dark as could be, and then you have some of them that are very light, who could almost pass for white, brothers and sisters. So they would magnify these differences. They would put, perpetuate putting a certain type of woman in the media. Uh, and, and those particular women would always get the man. This is what they did, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> the dark-skinned slave versus the light-skinned slave, and the light versus the dark-skinned. You must use the female versus male, and the male versus female. See, so they would bridge that, right? Men and women. The man ain't good for nothing. He don't take care of his kids. He's lazy, right? The woman, she just got an attitude. That's why I don't deal with black women, because they just got all this attitude. See, this is, this is, their, this is their narrative, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> you must also have your white servants and overseers distrust all blacks. See, so it wasn't only programming to the slaves. They programmed their own people to distrust people of color. They think we're thieves, we're robbers, we're murderers, we're killers. So this is what they taught. So when people say, well, slavery was over hundreds of years ago, you don't understand the significance and you can never understand because your perception is not my perception. You've never walked in these shoes. You don't know what it feels like. To wake up to amongst poverty, amongst being oppressed all the time, from the day that you're born to the day that you die, you know that they're better than you. 
Because that's what they teach you. <clears throat> you must also have your white servants and overseers distrust all blacks. But it is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. See, so you would trust the white man, but you wouldn't trust your own people. See? And this isn't just black people. That's all the children of Israel. We would treat when, you know, you see your own people, you nod your head. White man, oh, oh let me open the door, sir. Let me hold that. But for your own people, you look at them like they're spittle, right? This was programming. Uh, read that next part, brother. They must love, respect, and trust only us. These kits are your keys to control. Use them. See? So these would allow them the power to control us, brothers and sisters, to fight against each other. Because why? A nation divided can't stand. <clears throat> A brief discourse in offspring development will shed light on the key to sound economic principles. Pay little attention to the generation of original breaking, but concentrate on future generations. See, con concentrate on the children, the future generations. So it's really about the children because the children will grow up to teach their children, who will grow up to teach their children. So the evil is really promoted to the youth, brothers and sisters. That's why the music, usually who like, who, who is it that buy the music, who go to those shows? It's the youth. It's the teenagers, brothers and sisters. They know that. So they control the music because they know once a child hit a certain age, 13, 14, he start liking tunes. Well, she likes start liking music. It's all about the children. <clears throat> Therefore, if you break the female mother, she will break the offspring in its early years of development. See, so if you, if you break the mother, she will... Raise her son to be fearful to say, listen, I don't listen. I saw that young black man get killed. I don't want you to get killed. I need to protect you. So she would raise him with feminine aspects because this is what is being perpetuated to our people. So they needed to separate the woman from the man in order to teach this young boy the mannerisms of a woman. So a lot of times he'll have the 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 mind, the concentration of a woman. He'll start thinking like how a woman would think when it comes to certain uh, things in life. Because that's what his mom do and that's who protected him. That's who raised him. So this was purpose. We can't fault our people. But it, we got to understand that this was a, a agenda that was aimed towards our people, brothers and sisters. Therefore, if you break the female mother, she will break the offspring in its early years of development. And when the offspring is old enough to work, she will deliver it up to you for her normal female protective tendencies will have been lost in the original breaking process. See, so they use the youth to break the women, to break the women in order to raise their boys to be, you know, I just need to protect you from this. I don't need you doing this. I don't need you. I need you to just get a job and just follow what everybody else is doing. This is what the mother would teach because the mother know that truth gets you killed. That's why. Go to the next page, brother, please. Then... Take the female, run a series of tests on her to see if she will submit to your desires willingly. One second, brother. Is that page, uh, what page is that, brother? It's page 16. 16? Okay. Then take the female, run a series of tests on her to see if she will submit to your desires willingly. 
test her in every way because she is the most important factor for good economics. She is what? The most important factor for good economics. See, so they know how important a mother is. Because economics means, what is that talking about? That's talking about you being a, raising a slave to work for the slave master. So the mothers would raise their boys to be weak and fragile-minded. Strong here, but mentally weak and fragile and unstable. <clears throat> Test her in every way because she is the most important factor for good economics. If she shows any sign of resistance and submitting completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bullwhip on her to extract the last bit of yeah woman out of her. Yeah. See? So, brothers and sisters, they were trying to break our women. And this is what they're still trying to do through the media, through religion. Right. This is they. Their aim is to destroy the women. First, they need the man out the house. So now, especially a woman who don't have God, a woman that have God, whether she there's a man there or not, she's being led by the power, the power that all people should be led by. But if there's no if there's no God there, then what? There's no protection. <clears throat> when in complete submission, she will train her offspring in the early years to submit to labor. When they become of age. See? So they would teach them just to submit and do what everybody else do. Just get a job. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about changing the world. Don't worry about being that voice. Don't worry about being the next Malcolm X, the next Moses, the next Dr. Martin Luther King. Get a job. Go to school. <laughs> See? In her natural uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male. See? Yeah. You and use that word, brother. I need because the brothers and sisters that's that's hearing this, they need to understand the gravity and how they were speaking. Mm-hmm. Read that one more time, brother. In her natural uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male. See, so our women depended on their man. Now it don't look like that, does it? Now we boast about being independent. We we bought that line. When I don't see any other nations, I never see white women. <laughs> Saying they're independent. I never see Asian women talking about how independent they are, brothers and sisters. So they would use this against our people. They would teach this. They would break our women and then teach them to be independent. Continue, brother. And she would have a limited protective tendency towards her independent male offspring and would raise the female offspring to be dependent like her. See? So before... She would raise her daughter to depend on a man to look for a good man. Now, it's not so much. Now, they boast about being dependent. And I'm sorry to tell you, brothers and sisters, but Beyonce is not independent. She married a, a billionaire. <laughs> so, our sisters have failed for that. When the woman that's promoting that, Beyonce, is not, she's not independent, brothers and sisters. She has a husband that has $500 million in her bank account. See, but she perpetuates this to our people, and our people just eat it up. They just eat it up. <clears throat> being by her being left alone, unprotected, with the male image destroyed, the ordeal caused her to, to move from her psychological dependent state to a frozen independent state. In this frozen psychological state of independence, see, so it would freeze her psychologically. Before now, she feel like there's no protection. I must do everything on my own. See, that's the trick. This is what the government is pushing. That's why they need to break the family up, brothers and sisters. Because this is what they need the mother to teach her children. 
This is how you make a good slave, brothers and sisters. In this frozen psychological state of independence, she will raise her male and female offspring in reversed roles. See? So now she would raise the boys to be feminine, but raise the women to lead. So now you got a young boy, right, acting like his mother in all the ways that he think, his attitude, everything. And then you would have the woman, you know, the daughter who's raised to lead, to take charge. And that's why a lot of our young men are being taken care of by women. A lot of our men, the knowledge that you would have at 13, a lot of our men don't get till 45 now, brothers and sisters. Because we've been babied, we've been pacified. We don't know what it takes to lead. We don't know what a woman needs from us. We just think it's about intercourse and that's it. No, that's not what it's about. A woman needs to be able to come to you for guidance, for counsel, for instruction. If you, her husband or her man, she need to come to you for a purpose. And if you can't provide that, then what, what's your, what purpose do you serve other than laying down? Read that again, brother, please. In this frozen psychological state of independence, she will raise her male and female offspring in reversed roles. For fear of the young male's life, she will psychologically train him to be mentally weak. See? And dependent by physically strong, but physically strong. See, so our young men would be strong, but mentally fragile and emotional. See? So we would be fighting each other. We would be killing each other because somebody hurt your feelings. So this is what they would teach, brothers and sisters. Oh, I can't let him say that about me. I got to go pull a gun on him. This is because we're, we're weak mentally, brothers and sisters. Strong, physically, physically gifted, but mentally we're weak. <clears throat> because she has become psychologically independent, she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent. What have you got? You've got the nigger woman out front and the man behind and scared. See? So this is this was the purpose for the woman to be stronger than the man and for the man to cower. And not fulfill his purpose as a man to protect his family, to lead, to give the instruction. <clears throat> this is a perfect situation for sound sleep and economics. See, they get good sleep when they know that the man is not there. They don't want the man there because they know with the man come the protection, come the instruction, come the direction. They don't need that. They need to have the woman and her kids to themselves following whatever the government say, brothers and sisters. By the time a nigger boy reaches the age of 16, he is soundly broken and in, in and ready for life sound and efficient work in the reproduction of a unit of good labor force. See, so by the time a young boy is 16, he already completely broken. He's completely broken at this point now because he hasn't been raised right. He hasn't been raised to know how to lead, how to be a man. He hasn't been raised that way because a woman have a hard time teaching that without the Bible. Now, if there's a Bible, there's structure in that Bible. That can be used because that's where men learn how to be men is in the book. But if there's no man, no Bible, now you have a bunch of grown men who look like grown men who are fragile and weak mentally, unstable. Continually through the breaking of uncivilized savage niggers by throwing the nigger female savage into a frozen psychological state of independency. By killing of the protective male image, by creating a submissive, dependent mind of the nigger male savage. See, so the man would be submissive. He wouldn't question anything. Whatever pastor say, hey, whatever government say, go to other country, blow up people, kill people. Hey, I don't have a mind of my own. 
killing of the protective male image by creating a submissive dependent mind of the nigger male savage, we have created an orbiting cycle that turns in its own axis forever. Unless a phenomenon occurs and reshifts the positions of the female savage. See, unless there's a phenomenon comes. So only the most high could break this programming, brothers and sisters, to get our women to reclaim their femininity and their rightful position and the man to step up. Go to the next page, brother, please. We breed two nigger males with two nigger males, two nigger females. Then we take the nigger males from them and keep them moving and working. See, keep them moving and working. See? So now they have the men out there making less money than the women, working longer hours. Whatever we can do to keep him away, enlist him in the military, send him overseas, we need to have those men working. Because why? If you're working, you're not thinking. You need to be able to think to get out of this situation. So they would keep the men moving, right? So they love when men run around on their wife. They love it because you're not at home. Instilling the values, teaching your son how to be a man, teaching your daughter what to look for in a man. You out there. Say the one nigger female bear a nigger female and the other bears a nigger male. Both nigger females being without the influence of the nigger image, frozen with an independent psychology, will raise their offspring into reverse positions. The one with the female offspring will teach her to be like herself, independent and negotiable. The one with the nigger male offspring, she being frozen with a subconscious fear for his life, will raise them to be mentally dependent and weak, but physically strong. In other words, body over mind. Go to the next page, brother. It's the last one. Our experts warned us about the possibility of this phenomenon occurring. For they saw, they say the mind has a strong drive to correct and recorrect itself over a period of time. If it can touch substantial original historical base, and they advise us that the best way to deal with the phenomenon is to shave off the brute mental history and create a multiplicity of phenomena or Ill illusion that each illusion will twirl in its own orbit, something similar to floating balls in a vacuum. See, so when white people say you should just get over slavery, it's really disrespectful and it's dismissive because they don't even understand the psychological implications of what transpired, brothers and sisters. This wasn't just you working and being whipped on your back. This was something that would affect generations up to 400 years. And it had worked, brothers and sisters. Let's go into the Bible. Let's, we're going to use that, what we just read, and show you what the Bible has to say about those things, brothers and sisters. You need to see this. you got to hear this, brothers and sisters. You have to. Because a lot of other nations don't even realize why we are the way we are. We're not just angry black people. There's something that has happened to us. That have made us mad. The Bible tell you, surely a wise, you know, oppression maketh a wise man mad. So being oppressed, have you walk around the way we are. But getting the truth of yourself, the truth of the Most High, following His law, statutes, and commandments can break that psychological hold. We're going to it. Let's go to Isaiah 3 and 12. We're going into the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. That's the Willie Lynch letter, brothers and sisters. We all need to, to research getting that. It's only a few bucks. Isaiah 3, verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. See? So the woman will become independent. She don't need the man because this is how they programmed us, brothers and sisters. 
Verse 12, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy path. See, so women leading our nation have caused us to err, brothers and sisters, because that's not the position of a woman. A woman is, is, is perfect and strong in a rightful position, brothers and sisters. It's not in the front. The, per, the protector should be in the front, just in case there comes something that he needs to protect from. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, which they which lead thee cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy path. Right? Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> and you see the older, especially the, the couples of color, the women run the whole relationship. She do everything. She tell him what to do. He probably tired of talking, so he just shake his head. We've seen it time and time again, brothers and sisters. The women are now ruling. And that's why I tell brothers, while you're young, you better treat that woman right. Because there's going to come a time where she's going to be in charge. Once you get up there, 40, 50, it all flips. Because now you're not that man that you used to be. You're not that young, strong stallion, that stud. Now you're the old, weak guy who need his, his, you know, need his wife to pick up his... It's dry clean. So, treat her right, brothers and sisters, because I've seen some bitter women. And a bitter woman, you do not want to cross. You do not want to cross a bitter woman, brothers and sisters. A woman that's been hurt. Read that one more time, brother, please. Isaiah 3 and 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err. And destroy the way of thy path. So our sisters must say, you know, I'm not going to let society dictate my attitude towards my position as a woman. That's what our sisters have to do. Now they know that they're being elevated to that position. Not because the government care about you. It's because they know you're not going to make the right decision. Because that's not your position to be in. Just like it's not a man's position to be cowering. The, the positions have flipped, brothers and sisters. We have to come back. This is how to make a slave, brothers and sisters. That what we read in Willie Lynch's How to Make a Slave. We're going to Jeremiah 31 and 22 to show you everything that they put in that book is biblical, have biblical implications. And they knew it. It's like they went right into the Bible and started writing down the things that could destroy us and then use it. Jeremiah 31 and 22. How long wilt thou go about, O thy backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. See, a woman would be in front of the man. See, that's what's going on, brothers and sisters. Our sisters have been exploited, manipulated, and programmed to believe that independency is profitable, brothers and sisters. But none of the other nations are promoting that. That's something that's promoted on our television programs. The shows that they know we like. This is Diary of a you know of a mad, uh, a mad black woman, right? She's angry. She's in control now. This is what they promote to our, to our sisters, brothers and sisters. They promote women who say they don't need a man. They promote the Oprahs, right? This is what they promote. If Oprah say I don't need no man or no help, then hey, I don't need it. I can do everything on my own. Not to say a woman cannot raise a successful family, but it's not ideal. Some of these sisters promote it like they would rather not have a man there. And that's against, that's against you know, that's against wisdom, brothers and sisters. That's against wisdom. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. How long will thy go about, O thy backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. See, so Willie Lynch said, let's promote the woman over the man, right? 
So our women will start to wear independency like a banner, like a badge, brothers and sisters. Then they would complain that there is no man. So they would say they're independent and then they would complain there's no men. This is what would happen, brothers and sisters. They would promote independence as strength. Independent by yourself means you're limited. What could you have if you had somebody equally as strong, brothers and sisters? That's what they don't want us to think about. It's all about the woman. The woman make a good slave. That's why they said you have to get to the woman first. She's good for the economics. To teach her son to get in line and do the same thing that everybody else came before him. And don't ask any questions. Go to page 8 in that book, brother. I need you to read page 8, brother. Again, please. I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. On top of my list is age, but it is only there because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. There is intelligence, size, sex, size plantations, status on plantations, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley, on top of the hill, east, west, north, south, have fine hair, coarse hair, or See, let's, tall or short. Let's stick there, the fine hair, the coarse hair. They know that there's certain curses that apply to our women of color. So they would use that because they know our women are very sensitive about their hair, brothers and sisters. We're going through a new revolution, a hair revolution, in which our hair have become the clear focus of the beauty industry, brothers and sisters. Everything is aimed towards the women of color and their hair. It's the money maker, brothers and sisters. The black hair care market is at least $685 million industry, brothers and sisters. Hardly any of that cash is coming back to the black community. You know, you walk into your local beauty supply and typically it will reveal a Korean that's selling these products to our people. And they know why, because they know what the curses are. We're going to show you what the curse is and why they would use the hair to have our sisters go against each other. Isaiah 3 and 17, brother. They knew that there was scripture that would say that our sisters, specifically Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, the Jamaicans, the Haitians, the Negroes, would be very sensitive about their hair. They spend $300 on hair, brothers and sisters. That only happens in our community, among slaves. Uh, read that scripture, brother. Isaiah 3 and 17 and 16. Excuse me, yeah. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with the stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. So because the, our women became proud because they had everything, you know, back then they had the body. They had everything, brothers and sisters. So that caused them to say they don't need a man. I look good. There ain't nothing you're going to do about that. So they would not listen to their man. They would think they were all that now. Even, uh, you know, in, in European um, constituency, they would uh, put, in, you know, around uh, the Renaissance era, they would put those bells underneath of their dress to mimic a big derriere of our sisters because our sisters was ruling in the Dark Ages. So they would mimic our sisters. Same thing. Read, read that again, brother. Isaiah 3 and 16. Moreover, the Lord saith, 
because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth, stretch forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion. And the Lord will discover their secret parts. See, so he will put a scab on the southern kingdom, Benjamin, Judah, Levi's hair, where their hair would not grow like other nations hair. So they knew that because the daughters of Zion were put a, uh, you know, the most high put a scab on their head to where their hair don't grow like other people. Now come all the black hair care products. See, because they know you feel like you're missing something because you are because our sisters had hair down to the floor. Covering up their uh, their private areas because they needed it because, you know, they were voluptuous. So the hair would actually cover their secret parts. The Most High said, listen, you want to be proud? You care more about the outside than the inside? Now I'm going to affect the outside. And me affecting the outside will, infect, will, will affect you internally. So our, now our sisters, look at when they get their hair done, how they act right after that. <laughs> it's a whole new attitude that come with that hair, brothers and sisters. See, this was the curse that was put on predominantly Benjamin, Judah, and Levi. So they know that our sisters feel like they're missing something emotionally. So now they perpetuate owning all the beauty supply. Nobody spend more money on beauty supply than black women, brothers and sisters. I can reassure you that. You go into a black woman's bathroom, you probably got $1,000 worth of hair care products. And they know this. They use this, brothers and sisters, to tear us down. They used it. They knew that we would be sensitive about our hair. New tonight, a beauty supply store out of thousands of dollars. Authorities say two women ransacked the store. As News Channel 5's Kimberly Davis shows us, surveillance video shows the thieves taken off with 72 packs of hair. Yesterday was a day almost everyone was excited for, but for one business owner, it turned into a day of disappointment after two women walked into the store and then made off with $4,500 worth of hair extensions. Now the owner is hoping someone will come forward with information on the two thieves. They are so professional. Professional burglars who made off with thousands of dollars worth of hair extensions. And the owner tells us the pair casually walked into the store and did it right under her nose. She opened the door and she just ran out. Ran out. So I said, what, what, what's going on? And then I just come out and drop the hairs and they just uh, ran away. As you can see in the surveillance video, the two women had a plan. One woman grabbed the racks and handed it off to her accomplice. After grabbing what they could, they made a dash to the getaway car with 72 packs of hair. It's all the merchandise right here. Mm -hmm. See? That whole thing. It's all gone. All gone, and right here, that's the whole thing's gone. The owner, Chan Sorrell, tells us the burglary isn't the worst part. It's the trust that's been broken. Now she's hoping someone will recognize the thieves, and they'll be spending some time behind bars. Hopefully, in the future, it don't happen, this kind of, you know, the ugly thing. This is really ugly. In Clarksville, I'm Kimberly Davis, News Channel 5. Right? You can't even touch a black woman's hair. Right? This is, they knew, brothers and sisters. So they say they don't believe the Bible, but their behavior shows different. Go to Deuteronomy 28 and 54, brother. And our sisters, you know, a lot of them don't know 
you know, that there's a particular curse put on them and why. And it would be great if they did know. So that means they wouldn't perpetuate, you know, what brought on the curse. If you don't want that curse on you, then you have to come back to being obedient to the Most High. And to, you know, being in the position of a woman and not a man. Read 54 through 56, brother. Deuteronomy 28 and 54. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil towards his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and towards the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. See? So they would make the man mentally weak. Remember we read that? In fact, go there, brother. Go to page uh, 14. To show you how this lines up. A brief discourse in offspring development will shed light on the key to sound economic principles. Pay little attention to the generation of original breaking, but concentrate on future generations. Therefore, if you break the female mother, she will break the offspring in its early years of development. And when the offspring is old enough to work, she will deliver it up to you for a normal female protective tendencies will have been lost in the original breaking process. Then take the female, run a series of tests on her to see if she will submit to your desires willingly. Test her in every way because she is the most important factor for good economics. If she shows any sign of resistance and submission completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bullwhip on her. When in complete submission, she will train her offspring in the early years to submit to labor when they become of age. See, so she would teach her children to submit. Now go back to the Bible to show you how that lines up perfectly with what the curse is. Read verse 54 again, 28 and 54, brother. Verse 54. So that the man that is in, is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil towards his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. So it was prophesied that we would start to leave our children because why? We're mentally weak. We're mentally fragile. We have to run out anytime something isn't right. We got to go run to some other girl and get our mind off it, brothers and sisters. This would be this would be perpetuated. This was through the curse. They knew that implementing what they were teaching how to make a slave, that this would happen. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 54. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil towards his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. He's tender. He's emotional. He's weak. Verse 55, so that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat, because he hath nothing left, nothing left him in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies and shall distress thee in all thy gates. Now, this is talking about 70 AD. Continue. Verse 56, the tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Her eyes shall be evil towards the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter. See, so now the woman would be proud. She would be arrogant. And in turn, that trickles down on the children, brothers and sisters. There's no affection. Where there's discipline, there must be affection. I try to tell parents that all the time. It, you know, there must be discipline. But in conjunction with that discipline, there must be some affection. There can't just be discipline, discipline, coldness towards your children, brothers and sisters. That will have them believe that you're against them. You need to have balance. Uh, let's go to Mark 3 and 27, brother. To show you that the children would be tender through this slave, this slave programming. 
Let's go to Mark, brother, 3 and 27. Mark 3, verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. See, so if you want to take a man's house, what do you have to do first? You have to get him. If you're going to rob somebody's house, what are you thinking? Okay, I need to know who's up in there and where the men at. Because the men are going to be the problem that's going to try to protect the family. Right? So I would need to remove the man first. And then, hey, the spoil is there for me. What they call the booty is there. Now I can take whatever I want. Because there's no man. Read it again, brother. Verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man... And then he will spoil his house. Right. See, and this was also towards the Judeans. If you could get Judah to fall to these particular things, his brothers would follow. So through us following these particular acts, our brethren have followed. The other, the other 11 tribes, brothers and sisters. Read ver uh, page 19 in that book, brother, please. We breed two nigger males with two nigger females. Then we take the nigger males from them and keep them moving and working. Do what? Keep them moving and working. Now go back to Mark 3 and 27, brother. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his See? house. See, so keep the man working and moving. Because they know that the only way you can take the home is to get him first. So everything is aimed towards these people, especially men of color, not just the Judeans. Everything, all the venom and vitriol that this world have is aimed towards these men. Let's move forward, brother. Let's go to Psalms 139 and 14. Well, yeah. Let's go to Psalms 139 and 14. I need you to read ver uh, page 8 and 9 in there. Again, brother, please. We're going to go back and forth to show you how they use the Bible against us. Whenever you're ready, brother. Page 8. I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly... It will control the slaves for at least 300 years. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. On top of my list is age, but it is only there because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. There is intelligence, size, sex, size plantations, status on plantations. So remember that color, shade. Go to the next page, brother. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male and the young versus the old. You must use the dark-skinned slaves <clears throat> versus the light-skinned slaves. See, we want to stick right there. They would use colorism, brothers and sisters. And the, it, it's not just the Negroes who are dealing with this. The Hispanics are dealing with this, too. The natives are dealing with this to where they believe those who are lighter skin, fairer skin, will have better opportunities. They're beautiful. They have the qualities that everybody's looking for. They would have us believe this, brothers and sisters. Go to uh, Psalms 139 and 14 for those who may be questioning their beauty because they're not a particular color. They're not, you know, light or they're not chocolate. Everybody is made perfectly, brothers and sisters. The scripture is going to tell you. Psalms 139 and 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. So if you're questioning your looks and you're questioning the Most High's, 
you know, the Most High's creation. You're, you're, you're saying that the Most High should have made you differently. You know better than what the Most High, mean, uh, you know, means. You know, all together we're beautiful, brothers and sisters. There's no flaws in us, brothers and sisters. Even the dark skin, you know, dark, rich, mahogany hue, you know, that's pure elegance. There's nothing wrong with being dark. There's nothing wrong with being light either. They're both beautiful, brothers and sisters, but they would use this. I see it all the time, especially online. Darker skinned sisters think that all the light skinned women get all the shine. Then you have brothers who anything that's light, they think is the most beautiful woman in the world. As long as it's light, I don't care anything else. I don't care about her attitude, her stank breath, her toes. As long as she's light skinned, I'm fine. Light is right. This is what would be going on, brothers and sisters, and that what would do what? That would have an infight between our dark skinned, our brown sisters, and our light skinned sisters. Because our brown sisters believe that the, the lighter women is all that we're looking for. And that's not true. That's just not simply true. But this is what they programmed us to believe. That the lighter, it looks better than the darker. And that's not true, brothers and sisters. Read that again, please. Verse 14. <clears throat> I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. Right. Go to First Samuel 16 and 7, brother. First Samuel. Sixteen verse seven. First Samuel sixteen verse seven. Now, brothers and sisters, and some of the world's, you know, if some of the world's most quote unquote beautiful people were turned inside out, and God revealed, you know, revealed how He sees them, you know, how grotesque they might appear, brothers and sisters. If you could see the inside, not just the outside, because there's a lot of women out there who are beautiful to the eyes, but their attitude is repugnant, right? Arrogant, smug. Sassy, all these things. No matter how good you think you look, all those things make you ugly. All of them. First Samuel sixteen and seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Read that again. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. See, so in the Most High's eyes, you're not better because you're dark. You're not better because you're light. Neither are you worse because of those two things. But in today's society, these, you know, this contorted idea of beauty in colorism is often advocated, you know, within one's own ethnic group. So it's not just the Negroes. You go to the Hispanics, they're doing the same thing. Even the Asians, brothers and sisters, they're doing the same thing. They're doing the same exact thing. Those who are lighter, closer to being white. Because why? White supremacy. So it's all about trying to be like those who are in charge, brothers and sisters. Although slavery is illegal, there is, you know, another type of racism that is heavily present, toxic, and completely cruel. And that's what? Colorism. What's colorism? A spinoff of racism. Valuing literally skin color. Colorism was something that plantation owners used as an instrument to divide and conquer their own enslaved persons by, so? by extending to uh, lighter-skinned uh, enslaved persons more privileges. And it was a way to get those lighter-skinned black folks to be more likely to uh, side with the owner if there was a slave rebellion plan. So that was slave days, and yet today people will tell you that colorism is as relevant as ever before. Do you believe that? If you spend hundreds of years propagandizing your citizenry that color is connected to intelligence,
decisions, that color is connected to beauty, that color is connected to ethics and values and morality, it's obviously not going to suddenly change just because the system that created that mentality changes. The mentality is in place. It becomes almost like an autopilot. Because what? A lot of ethnic groups all over the world, including black, Asian, Hispanics, believe that, you know, dark skin is inferior to light skin, brothers and sisters. Colorism has the roots embedded deeply in the history of colonization. So, you know, this comes from colonization. That's slaves, brothers and sisters. Countries annexed by European colonialism uh, were endued with a false perception of what true beauty is based on the ideal of white supremacy, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I, re I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See? See, brothers and sisters? So, sadly, you know, this particular idea that lighter is better... It, you know, it lives on unabated right now, brothers and sisters. This goes on to this day. Dark skins who don't like light skins, light skins who don't like dark skins. Usually you get in, when you grow up in the ghettos, usually you look at the, the, the light skinned women, they look at the light skinned women as the pretty ones. And they looked at the dark skinned ones as the ones that'll whoop your behind. That's how they looked at it in the ghettos, brothers and sisters. This was the stereotype, brothers and sisters. Sadly, you know, children are taught from a very early age that all greatness emanates from European Western civilization, brothers and sisters. When that's not true. But this is what's being perpetuated. There's only one way that they could perpetuate this particular idea, brothers and sisters, that white is supreme. supreme, And that whoever's closer to being white will get more opportunities. There's only one way they could do that. Go to Psalms 83 and 4, brother, to show you how they could do this. <clears throat> Psalms 83 verse 4 They have said Come and let us cut them off from being a nation That the name of Israel may be no more in, in remembrance See so all Gentiles would come together and say We need to destroy these people's knowledge of themselves So this is the only way they could perpetuate that stereotype That lighter is better than darker History has been rewritten to strongly favor European predominance And downplay black eminence. So because of that, our sisters are bleaching their skin. Our sisters are bleaching their beautiful brown skin to look like the oppressors, brothers and sisters. Very little, if anything, is widely known about the real black history other than the history of enslavement, which is pitched to us as the most notable historical occurrence in black history. This is, this is psychology, brothers and sisters. So when people say, well, slavery's been over, you're not a slave. They don't understand the implications of what these people aim towards us, brothers and sisters. They had to take our memory of our history in order to reshape our perception. Because we already knew that brown ruled the world. And everybody was brown before there was ever a white man. We knew that. But they had to take away our identity, who we knew we were. Because if we knew who we were, then what happens? You start to come back to your natural state of, of how you dress, of how you talk, of your hair. We start putting perms and all this madness, these chemicals in our head. I know brothers that's getting perms. Uh, or maybe uh, maybe relaxer, maybe not a perm. But they're getting st hair straighteners too, brothers and sisters. So by them taking our rich culture, our rich history, we would start to want to be like who we think is in charge. 
not knowing that in the dark ages, before the 1600s, black people ruled Europe. All over Europe. The Irish were black, brothers and sisters. The Irish that went into slavery, they were black. King James, who was the king of England, Scotland, and Ireland, was a black man. King James, from the Bible, was a black man. They don't give you that part of history. They give you the Renaissance era. Michelangelo, right? Da Vinci. That's the rebirth because they killed off all the black nobility and placed white people in their stead. And then they've given us that history. They've given us new history. They don't give you the ancient history that we ruled the world. They'll give you everything from the 1600s up where they're ruling and they're in charge because it does something to you psychologically. It freezes you in a psychological maze. Read that one more time, brother, please. Psalms 83, verse 4. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. See, so all nations came against us. This wasn't just white people, brothers and sisters. See, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So that means they're all against us, brothers and sisters. They all have done their part to perpetuate this particular stereotype, brothers and sisters. They, In order to implement these stereotypes, they had to reshape our perception. And this is how they did it, by taking the knowledge of who we are away. This was a plan. This was strategic, brothers and sisters. This was strategic. This wasn't an aberration. Now, we're going to deal with the next thing. The Bible, uh, excuse me, the Willie Lynch letter said that he would pit the young versus the old. What does the Bible have to say about that? Isaiah 3 and 5. It's It's like they went right into the Bible. And said, what could I use to tear these people down and divide them? Isaiah 3, verse 5. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. And the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Read that again. And the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Right. So, brothers and sisters, the children would have no regard for the wisdom of the elderly. Right? And that's what's going on today. Youth have no respect for the elders because they, we think they're old and we know it all because we're young. Like the world, every, you know, everything just started in 1990. As if those of old, you know, who have the life experience that we don't have, don't know how to handle certain situations. When you're young, it's just like for you youth out there. When you were six, you did different things than you do when you're 13. Because you're smarter now, right? The same way. When you're 20, you haven't been through that much. When you're 30, when you're 40, when you get our eldest, 50s, 60s, they've lived six decades, five decades. They have the wisdom of life. No matter how many precepts and all of that that you know, you don't have the wisdom of life that come with life experience. So they would use this. Because why? If there's a, if there's a gap between the elder and the younger, the elderly and the youth, then who would teach the youth their history? This was the point of pitting the aged men against the young boys, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 5. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. Brother Corey, can you read Isaiah 3 and 5 one more time? Isaiah 3, verse 5. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient... And the base against the honorable. See, so the youth would have no regard for the wisdom of the elderly. Remember, they said, pit the young against the old. 
pit the youth against the elderly, brothers and sisters. See? Go to Leviticus 19 and 32, brother. Let's go into the Torah. Genesis, uh, excuse me, Leviticus 19, chapter 19. We're going to read verse 32. Leviticus 19, verse 32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. Hoary I head. am the Lord. Hoary head, the gray hair, brothers and sisters. Thou shalt rise up before the gray hair. So, you know, we are supposed to give respect to the elderly and respect them, respect our elders. Young men usually are tempted to think that their generation has all the answers and thereby deal inappropriately with the elderly brothers and sisters. But the point here is that the younger, if he's in the right, must not forget the deference and the respect that he owes the elderly, even if he's correct, brothers and sisters. Even if you're right and you know more than your elder, there's a certain level of respect that must be deferred to the elderly, brothers and sisters. That's how you make a righteous nation. If not, this is how you make a slave. To have people who need each other distrust each other. That's how you make a great slave. That's how you make a great slave, to have them distrust themselves. Go to 1 Timothy 5 and 19. So when we show you that even when a, a, a youth is correct in his assertion... There's a certain level of respect that must be showed to our elders. Go to 1 Timothy 5 and 19, brother. 1 Timothy 5 and 19. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. See, so if you, if you want to correct your elder, then that means you must go to him with two or three witnesses and everybody say, Sir, you know, we respect you. We respect your wisdom. But... All three of us has witnessed this particular transgression, sir. And we care about you. We love you. And we want you to be viewed in your strength. Because you're elderly. We don't want you to be viewed as weak. We want you to be viewed in your strength. So we wanted to bring this to your attention. And just say, you know, if you need help, if you need prayer. You know, the young guns, the young bulls are there for you. You're our big brother. Read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 19. Against an elder receive not an accusation. But before two or three witnesses, see, before two or three must come to the elder together and say, we all witnessed this particular transgression, brothers and sisters. So even when you're right, you still have to respect the elderly. That's not just the men. That's the women, too. You must respect them, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 29, brother. Wisdom scriptures. Proverbs 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. See, the wisdom. Read it one more time, brother. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is their gray head. See, so if the youth give ear to the elderly, they have become engaged in reclaiming that gift from the Most High, you know, that the Most High have given to the young, that blessed treasure of wisdom that our elders have been entrusted with. Uh, and they would love to share it with the youth. They would love to share it with the youth if the youth would respect it and listen and even ask for it. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength and the beauty of old men is their gray head. See, so if we respect our elders, we will get that blessed treasure of wisdom that our elders have. And we'll be able to use it for ourselves. Elders should help energize the spirit of young men to use the strength of their youth properly. 
By providing what? A purpose. Read it one more time, brother. Proverbs 20 and 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is their gray head. See, so we need each other. We need the young men's strength, their fortitude, right? Their tenacity. And you need the old man's, what? His wisdom. The same way with our young women. It's the same thing. Our older women should help lead the younger women and not to make the same mistakes that they made. This is how we better our nation, brothers and sisters. The elderly should provide a purpose for the youth. Let's go to Jude 1, 16 through 19, brother. New Testament. This is how to make a slave, brothers and sisters. This was a plan. This was programming. Jude 1 and 16. These are murmurers, complainers, <clears throat> walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Now, this is talking about division. These are the things that divide Israel. <coughs> These are the things that cause us to be divided, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These by they who separate themselves. Sensual, having not the spirit. See, so this particular passage <clears throat> shows you what leads to divisions amongst our people, brothers and sisters. A lot of the times, most times, you ask a person of color, have you ever gotten a fist fight with a white man? Mm. The answer is no. Mm. And you ask white people, have you ever gotten a fist fight with a, with a black man? The answer is usually no. So usually it's us tearing down each other, brothers and sisters. We fight each other. We don't even fight the oppressors. We fight each other. We're scared to go against the oppressor, but we'll go against each other, brothers and sisters. These things lead to division. Go to Matthew 5 and 9, brother, in the gospel, please. Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. See, a peacemaker is someone who actively is seeking to reconcile people to the Most High or to one another. It is important to remember that peace in the Bible is always based on justice and righteousness. Where justice prevails and righteousness rules, there you will also have peace. But without those two virtues, lasting peace is not possible. We need to be peacemakers amongst our people, brothers and sisters, not troublemakers, not talebearers, brothers and sisters. Because we are out there killing our, killing each other. We are out there selling drugs to each other. We are out there fighting and going against each other. They love to see black men fighting each other. They love to see Mexicans fighting each other, Hispanics. They love to see our people fist fighting each other and calling each other niggers and all types of mess. They love it. That's entertainment. Get the popcorn. They love it, brothers and sisters. So I make sure I do my darn hardest not to ever give it to them. I don't care if the brother is completely wrong. It's not time for me to talk about the issue I have with my brother in front of Gentiles. Because why? They will use that, brothers and sisters. They will use that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Actually, read that one more time, brother, before we move on. Matthew 5 and 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. We must be peacemakers amongst our people that help us be unified. Because why? A house that's divided cannot stay, brothers and sisters. So when they see division, they know I can pit them against each other because they're divided. 
We must be together, brothers and sisters. We must be organized, brothers and sisters. We must have structure. That's the only way to overcome this. We can't overcome it by ourselves. We need all of us. We need each other in order to overcome, you know, this circumstance that have been put on us, brothers and sisters. This posture that the Gentiles have placed us in. We need each other. We need each other with one mind like they were at the Tower of Babel. We must have one mind, one, you know, one ideology in order to overcome this, brothers and sisters. We're going to 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. Because why? We're talking about unity. We need unity, brothers and sisters. This lesson is how to make a slave. How to make a good slave, brothers and sisters. Look back on this lesson and see, are you perpetuating any of these quote-unquote slave traits? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. See? So our people, even though there's many of us, we need to work in conjunction for one body. Just like you have a pinky, right? You have a thumb. If you don't have a pinky and a thumb, even though they're small, you can't grasp stuff. So you need that pinky and thumb. You need that right hand. You need that left hand. You need the ears. You need all of that to make one body. So we need each and every one of us, no matter how big or small your position may be, where it's needed, brothers and sisters. The eye is very small, but if you only had one eye, how how would that be? <laughs> so, brothers and sisters, we must come together as one body and show unity. That's the only way we can be liberated, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. See, and this is in the church, too. There's many different things that a church need, not just one. So no matter how small you may think a part is, that part makes up the body and it's not a body without your part. So find out what your talent is and ask the Most High how you can utilize it to build the body, brothers and sisters. Find out what's not being done in the church and then you do it. That's, that's how it's supposed to be, brothers and sisters. We need each and every per- person's participation. Our people have to come together. We must be unified, brothers and sisters. We must be unified. Let's go to Proverbs 6 and 16. Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things doeth the Lord hate. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. So, brothers and sisters, these particular things that we're about to read, gender strife. These are the things that cause us to go against each other, to fight each other, to go home and get a gun to kill each other. These are the things that gender strife or drama amongst our people. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. See, feet that are swift to run to mischief. When there's some drama where there's a fight, you're the first one to run to go see the fight. Remember in school, you would be there, right? Oh, they about to fight. They about to fight in the bathroom. Come to the bathroom. See, that's the stuff that the Most High is talking about. So now you're promoting a fight amongst your own people. Like, come come look at these two Negroes fight each other and call each other niggers. That's what you're saying, right? This is what you're, t- you, this is what you're telling the outside world, the Gentiles. And then you wonder why they have no respect for us. 
because we run the mischief. We run the gossip. We want we want to believe it. You hear so and so was a was a, a streetwalker or a quote unquote a harlot. You don't even want to know if it's true. You just want to share. Yeah, sister, she was a harlot. I saw her down. I heard over there. Yeah, I heard she was with you know all of them, all of. Them. You don't even go to see if it's true. You just want to promote it because it's juicy. These are the things that lead to us being against each other, brothers and sisters. Can you continue? Verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and him that soweth discord amongst brethren. Him that soweth discord amongst the brethren. So you have some brothers that come in just to sow discord because they want us to go against each other. Maybe because, you know, somebody gains a certain level of respect from somebody that they they love. So because they don't want you to respect that person, they'll come and slander that person's name and say things behind their back, say things against them because they really just don't want you to to be cool with them. Right. Or, you know, even with the church, well, they'll go behind us and tell people stuff about, you know, well, he ain't teaching this and he ain't teaching that. And this is what he used to do. And this is what he used to do. Really, what they're saying is just don't learn from them. (laughs) Just don't learn from them. okay? This is discord, brothers and sisters. People who go amongst their own people spreading hatred, spreading venom, vitriol. Coming to people telling them, yeah, well, so-and-so said this about you. I don't do that. If somebody said something, number one, I'm going to stop him. And because I'm not going to allow you to talk about my brother when he's not here to defend himself. That's number one. Number two, I'm not going to come back and I'm not going to go back and tell my brother what he said. Because that's going to lead my brother to go over there in one confrontation. So it stops here. I'm not going to perpetuate or push or promote or go tell my brother or my sister the evil that you're talking about behind their back because that can lead to confrontation. And I don't want to be the door into the confrontation. Read that again, brother, uh, from the top, please. 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things that the Lord hate, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. Right, right. So, brothers and sisters, these are some of the major causes of strife and discord amongst the brethren based on biblical literature. Verse 18. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift and run into mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and him that soweth discord amongst brethren. Right. So now, brothers and sisters, we're going to show you... Uh, more behaviors that threaten peace and unity. These things that we're about to go into usually end up in us fighting each other, calling each other names, no longer speaking, maybe even bloodshed, maybe even killing. These are the particular things our people need to work on when it comes to our own people because we've already read how our people have been programmed. So that's why they're short-tempered. So knowing that we've been programmed this way, we have to deal with our people with sensitivity, with patience, and not be dismissive, not to be, you know, smug and arrogant. We must be patient with our people. They've been programmed to be a slave. Number one, anger. Anger is one of the behaviors that leads to bloodshed, brothers and sisters, to murder, to lies, to fornication. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 22. This is one of the behaviors that perpetuates our slave mentality. Proverbs 29 and 22. An angry man stirred up strife, and a furious man abounded in transgression. See? So an angry man stirred up strife. So he go back and forth. He go to make reasons and reasons for people to not like each other. Well, yeah, you know, he, he said this about you. 
my question is, what did you do to defend me? <laughs> Why are you coming to me telling me what he said? What did you say? Because if you, if you, hey, if you're cool enough to come tell me what he said, then you were cool enough to defend me, or don't even don't bring it to me. Because the only thing that you can get is usually from a man who's not a man of God, usually a man of God who have received that and just put it away. But if you're dealing with somebody who's not a man of God, now I need to go address him like a man. Since he's saying stuff behind my back, now I need to go see what he's talking about to his face. See? So don't facilitate that, brothers and sisters. You be the barrier to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm not telling you. I'm not taking that to my brother because there's only... There's nothing good that can come from me sharing what somebody said that was negative about him behind his back. So either you do one or two things. You tell a brother, listen, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear you talk negative about my brethren or my sister. Or you hear it and you don't do anything with it. You let it go. You don't perpetuate it. Because how many times in school somebody tell you, oh, so-and-so said this about you. He said this about your girl. or He said that. And that lead to a fight. See? So don't spread that, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man abounded in transgression. See? So the fact is that all of us get angry with people, brothers and sisters, but the Bible says, be angry and sin not. It's what we do when we get angry that makes all the difference, brothers and sisters. How many times have we said something out of anger that we later regretted? So our anger leads to infighting. Because why? We're all angry. We've been oppressed. So we got to control that anger or that can lead to what? Slave mentality. Us killing each other, not trusting each other. Fornicating with each other's uh, husbands and wives. This is what it leads to, brothers and sisters. Control the anger. Next, we're going to go into ridicule. Ridicule is something that leads us to go against each other in order for us to, you know, uh, fight each other. Fight amongst each other in our own communities. The white man could die off or just leave off and never deal with us again and we'd kill each other. We would kill each other, brothers and sisters. If the white man wasn't coming locking us up for the murders, we would just kill each other. Because we've been trained like slaves, like barbaric animals. Go to Proverbs 22 and 10, brother. Ridicule also leads to confrontation amongst our people. These are the things we must work on in order to be unified with our people. Proverbs 22, verse 10. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yes, strife and reproach shall cease. See? So, cast out the scorner. Somebody who's looking to ridicule people and tell everybody, well, you're not good enough, or you're not doing this, you're not doing right. So in discord, those people cut them off. You got to cut them off. You got to cut the, the hand off so the gangrene don't spread to the whole body, brothers and sisters. Sometimes that's what got to happen. If That's what have to happen. If somebody's sowing discord amongst a body of people, even if it's not a church, just our nation of people, you got to cut that person off. Because why? They need to be held accountable for what they're doing. You can't just let people be amongst you spreading all this venom, brothers and sisters. You can't do that. You have to protect it like it's your own. This is your nation. These are your people and you must protect it. And anybody that could, you know, anybody that's doing something that could even be perceived as contentious, we got to cut them off. Period. We got to cut you off, brother. Read it one more time. Verse 10. Cast out the scorner and the contention shall go out. Yes, strife and reproach shall cease. See, so we ought to pray that God will help us focus on the good and 
in people and not their faults because you have some people who they only focus on the negative in our people and they want to promote that. See, a person like that, you got to cut them off because why? You can't see the strength in brothers. Only thing you can see is where they're falling short. If you're going to pull out your magnifying glass, you know, let's magnify their strengths and not their weaknesses. See, when you got somebody who just want to magnify somebody else's weaknesses, who want to show another brother or sister in their weakness, in their fall, then you got you to gotta be careful of that person, brothers and sisters. What would you want somebody to do to you? You would want them to view you in your strength. So that's what we do here at the church. Even though people are doing things that is wrong, what are they doing right? Magnify that. Magnify what they're doing right. Magnify their strengths, not their shortcomings. Somebody who magnifies people's shortcomings, that person will lead to contention, to confrontation. And that goes against everything that we're trying to build, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to the next, um, the next attribute, and that's what? Gossip or slander. Proverbs 26 and 20. This leads to contention. This leads to infighting. This leads to murder, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. See? So do you know do we know what gossip and slander is? Gossip is repeating idle talk or rumors about private affairs of others, brothers and sisters. Everyone loves, right? We love to hear a good story. But when that story damages someone's reputation, it's not worth telling, brothers and sisters. In fact, telling any negative story about a person who isn't there to defend themselves, that's pure gossip. That's pure slander, brothers and sisters. And since gossip or slander can seem well-intentioned, you know, to us at some times, we often don't view it as a big deal. But it is. You don't promote things to other people about your brethren that show them in a negative light. Because why are you doing that? You're only doing that because you have low self-esteem and you want people to now like you more. So by standing on your brother or your sister's head, now people will like you. That's, that's a slave mentality, brothers and sisters. That's a slave's mentality. Well, let me go here and then go, let me go to this brother's house and then tell him, yeah, what this person was doing and all his struggles. Yeah, man, I saw him. Yeah, he was smoking a reefer, brother. Yeah, I saw him smoking a reefer. Yeah, I think he got a problem. Mm-hmm. So you go promote this. Yeah, the sister, yeah. So, you know, she loose, man. She, she just out there. She loose. She wanted everything with everybody. See, promoting certain things that would show your brethren or your sisters in a bad light, that's a sin. You're dealing with slander. You're dealing with gossip. Whether it's true or not, there's things that's true about all of us that you wouldn't want promoted, would you? Because I had one brother tell me, well, yeah, it's not really slander if it's true. I'm like, okay, brother, so if I told somebody whatever I told them about you and it was true, you would be okay with that? Of course not. Of course not. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Anything that show your brethren in a in a lower state, you don't promote that. You keep it and you die with it. But our people are so eager, so anxious to promote things that show their own people in a bad light. And that leads to contention, brothers and sisters. That leads to contention. Now, gossip, brothers and sisters, slander is a sin that the Most High takes very, very seriously, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to show you. We're going to Ecclesiasticus and the Apographer, 19 and 8. Because usually those who are gossiping have no contrition, brothers and sisters. None. Ecclesiasticus, 
19, verse 8. Ecclesiasticus 19, verse 8. Whether it be to friend or foe, talk not of a other man's lives. Read that again, brother. Whether it be to friend or foe, talk not of other men's lives. And if thou canst without offense, reveal them not. Right. See? So don't talk about other men's lives. Don't talk about other women. It said friend or foe because some of us think, well, they're my enemy so I can talk about them. No. The Bible say, don't worry about another man. Don't worry about another woman. <clears throat> See? So for this reason alone, I have raised my standard in life to the best of my ability. I've always, <clears throat> I always try to evaluate people based on firsthand experiences with them, not what somebody else tells me about them. And we all should try to implement that, brothers and sisters, because why? That secondhand information can be very misleading and inaccurate, brothers and sisters, because you don't know the intent of why somebody's bringing it to you. If anyone has ever suffered the agony of being gossiped or slandered about, they understand the force of those words. People talking about, about you behind your back, whether it's true or not. If you want the Most High to be good to you, you must be good to his children. Read that again, brother. Verse 8. <clears throat> whether it be to friend or foe, talk not of other men's lives. See? Don't talk about other men's lives. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to do this. Yeah, yeah. He, She used to do this and do that. That's a sin, brothers and sisters. If you're not saying something positive about a brother or a sister, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Don't spread that. It's like a cancer. When you start doing that, it starts getting around. Now you're altering all these people's perception about somebody you have a problem with. Even when I have a disagreement with a brother, I never go share it with the body. The most I have told me, you know, in the beginning of me meeting somebody, you need to watch that brother. You need to, you need to watch him. Now, do I go tell all my brothers, hey, man, that brother right there, you can't trust that brother? No, the most I told me so I can protect myself, not for me to go out. On a blowhorn and tell everybody so they can all look at this brother or this sister in a different way. No, he told me to watch out for it, so that's what I do. I don't go and tell everybody else, yeah, man, you need to watch that brother. No, the most I told me, so I keep that to myself. Whenever you get somebody out there like that, understand you're dealing with a demon, you're dealing with a spirit, you're dealing with somebody being led by the devil, brothers and sisters, who are looking to come in, sneak in, and then break us apart. Break our people apart. We must stand together, brothers and sisters. We must. Read that one more time, brother, before we move on. <clears throat> Ecclesiasticus 19 and 8. Whether it be to friend or foe, talk not of other men's lives. And if thou canst without offense, reveal them not. See, so if you can't speak about a brother or a sister without revealing or saying something negative about them, don't talk about them at all, brothers and sisters. See, and that's what I'd rather do. I'd rather just not talk about you at all, brother. Because I'm not going to say anything negative about you. Because that's not who I am. I'm a man of God. Whether I disagree with you or I'm not that fond of you, I just don't speak of you. I just don't. Because I'd rather do that than to say something that I can be in trouble for. So we've had brothers and sisters out there, you know, who for whatever reason have a problem with the doctrine, have a problem with me because of the doctrine. I've had people, you know, come to me and say, well, yeah, man, I'm glad you're cool because I didn't like you before I met you. I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? So people will hate you just for bringing truth, just for bringing doctrine. I've had people's wives, you know, I've had brothers come to me and tell me, yeah, my wife said this about you. I'm like, wow, wow, brother, wow. The truth must be effective if this person have never met me, but yet they're trying to slander my name. So brothers and sisters, do not spread slander. 
And if it comes to you, you stop it there. You stop it there because it's a, it'll spread like a cancer. We're going to Leviticus 19 and 16. We're going to show you what we mean when we say it can spread like a cancer. Bear with us, brothers and sisters. We're almost done. Leviticus 19, verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. What's a talebearer? A talebearer tail bearer is somebody who promotes gossip, whispering, talking about this and that and other people that they have nothing to do with. Read it again, brother. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Why does it say thou shalt not stand against the blood of thy neighbor? What what usually happens when you, you got somebody talking about other people, right? Murder usually happens, brothers and sisters, especially in our community. Brothers getting murdered over words where we from. In these slums, in these ghettos, in the gutter. Just by you saying something. Just by you spreading something about somebody. I saw a brother who um, he was sharing with uh, he was sharing with some brothers and some sisters that a brother was cheating on his wife. And it ended up in him getting murdered. Whether the brother was cheating or not, that wasn't his place to go spread anything that would show his brother in a bad light. And it led to murder. That's what it led to. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. See? So we can't spread gossip, brothers and sisters. So the next time you hear gossip about someone, do not participate. You do not have to listen either. In fact, you know, you shouldn't listen to gossip. Because why? It only encourages others to continue talking badly about others, brothers and sisters. Instead, you can stop the gossip in its tracks. Right? By telling them, listen, brother or sister, that sounds like gossip. I don't, you know, that person not really here. I don't really don't want to hear that, brother, to be honest with you. Because I don't want to have to feel different about my brother based on something you said. So, listen, brother, you know, I love you, but hey, I just don't want to hear it, brother. If it's not something positive, just keep it to yourself, brother. And listen, saying something is not too harsh, brothers and sisters. Simply holding others accountable for their choice of words. That's all it is. Some people say, well, yeah, man, you telling somebody, yeah, man, I don't want to hear that. That could be disrespectful. No, it's not disrespectful. I want you to understand that you need to be accountable for the words that you're choosing to say to me. Period. And we should do that for all of each other because people shouldn't feel comfortable enough to come slander a brother to you. They should know that you're going to cut them right off. That's what I do personally. And I didn't do that always. But growing up, you know, and being matured in the truth. I understood that, you know, if a brother or sister is saying something negative about a brother, I can't be a part of it. Because why? That could change my perception on them based on something you said. And that's not that's not equitable, brothers and sisters. So, you know, we cannot we cannot spread gossip, brothers and sisters, because why? The result could be staggering. Read it again, brother. Verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shall thy stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Right. Next, we're going to selfishness, brothers and sisters. Selfishness leads to contention amongst our people, brothers and sisters. We're going to James chapter 4, verse 1. James 4 and 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members? Read that again. From whence cometh wars and fight 
and fightings amongst you. What comes, where, you know, where does this fighting come that's amongst us? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. These are the things that breed. These are the things that breed contention, brothers and sisters. Selfishness. This is a big thing in relationships, brothers and sisters. We want our way. We want it right now. We don't like when we don't get our way. We understand that. But what? All relationships require compromise, giving and sacrificing your way for the sake of others. You can't have your way all the time and expect to have a fulfilling relationship, brothers and sisters. So we must we must cut out that that spirit of selfishness that leads to contention, brothers and sisters. Next, we're going to go to pride. Proverbs 13 and 10. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advised is wisdom. See, so pride keeps us from admitting that we're wrong and that somebody else just may be right. Pride makes us think we know everything, brothers and sisters. Pride makes you unable to see the strength in others. This is something that must be completely dissolved from our community, brothers and sisters. Pride. Verse 11. We're going to actually go forward. Proverbs 26 and 21. Quarrelsome. Quarrelsome. We know this was a longer lesson, brothers and sisters, but when you're talking about the mental captivity, the mental servitude, it has to be done correctly, brothers and sisters, because it's something that has happened for over 300, 400 years. So we want to uncover it. So just bear with us, please. Proverbs 26 and 21. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Read that again. Verse 21. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is contentious man to kindle strife. Right. So if you're quarrelsome, you are an antagonistic. You wear your feelings on your shoulders. And that's just like kindling a fire. You're fueling the fire by doing that. You're not dousing the fire. You're fueling it by doing that. If you're like that, you need to recognize, we need to recognize that and change it, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we don't even realize we are at fault until somebody else points it out to us. So we must realize that you don't always have to be right or have the final say. Be willing to listen and hear our people, brothers and sisters. Quarrelsome. We can't be a person who likes to have disagreements with people. Like to have drama with people. Like to have to show that I'm right and you're wrong. Who cares? Who cares? When we went onto them slave ships, it didn't matter who was right or wrong. It didn't matter who was light, who was dark. It didn't matter who was fat, who was tall, who was strong. We all went. And that's, we either gonna rule together or we're gonna fall together, brothers and sisters. We're going to Proverbs 20 and 3 and then 1 Corinthians. We're rounding it up. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, 
but every fool will be meddling. Right. So this is talking about disagreements, brothers and sisters. Disagreements lead to contention. That lead to us fighting and killing each other, brothers and sisters. No relationship has a perfect agreement, you know, has perfect agreement all the time. We all have the right to our own opinions, brothers and sisters. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree and move on, brothers and sisters. But if it's in your power to bring an agreement in unity, then do what you can. Sometimes you have to just let it go, brothers and sisters. You don't have to prove everything. Somebody believe one way, somebody believe another way. We just spoke about it today. There's a brother that I know who's an Edomite who is extremely privileged. And, you know, his perception is warped completely. But do I need to argue with the brother to make my point? No, because there's nothing that I could do that's going to have him understand what we've gone through. There's no way that you can explain to a Gentile how we feel the oppression that have been on us. The posture they've placed us in. There's no words that can explain it. So you just have to agree to disagree, brothers and sisters, and move on. So, you know, the behaviors that are enemies of peace and unity are what? Anger, ridicule. Uh, pride, selfishness, quarrelsome, gossip or slander and disagreements, brothers and sisters. Those are the things that lead to us being divided. Now let's talk about unity. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. Unity. Because this is what this whole thing was about. Unity. They look to destroy our unity and divide us so they could tear us down. We just read in the Willie Lynch letter all of the differences they wanted to magnify, brothers and sisters. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. See, this is how we must be, brothers and sisters. We must be in one mind speaking the same things. Because why? We've seen, you know, um, there's there's been certain radio stations out there um, who they know what our doctrine is of our church and they know what other churches teach and they would like to call us on air for us to tell them, a Gentile, how wrong our brothers are. To talk about this group and that group and how they don't believe in this and how they're wrong about that. And I saw it right away. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that, brother. Thank you, but no thank you. I'm not going to be invited onto a platform for me to show the differences between my people. I'm not doing it. I will never magnify the differences between me and my people, brothers and sisters. Now, if it's a doctrinal conversation, that will happen between the people who it need to happen with. That's the church. But I'm not going to go to a Gentile radio station and then tell you that this church is wrong and that church is wrong and this church is wrong. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That is a tool that they will use. They'll come together and see, see, they say in the Hebrews, they're Israelites, but all of them disagree on everything. See, they will use that, brothers and sisters. If you perpetuate the disagreements, they will use that to say they can't even agree on when the holy days are. They can't even agree on baptism. They couldn't be the people. So don't promote, don't give that them that fuel, brothers and sisters, because they will use it against you. We understand what the doctrinal differences are, and that stay amongst us, the Hebrew community, the Israelite community. We don't promote that to other people, brothers and sisters, because that actually had them not believe. Why would I come into being an Israelite? And all Israelites don't believe the same. That's just like being a Christian. So we don't promote things like that. Even though we know all Israelites not together. They weren't together in crisis time. But we don't have to be the person that highlights and promotes the differences, brothers and sisters. Now, unity allows us to accomplish great things that we could never do on our own. It's like, you know, let us combine our strengths. You know, if we could 
if all of our brothers and sisters could combine our strengths, we could do something that would be totally riveting, brothers and sisters, by being together. Unity. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. See, so we can't when the thing when things hit the fan, America start going into war and being destroyed. We can't be amongst people who don't want to follow the commandments. You're gonna have to find your own way because you can't be with us. We must be in one mind. We can't be amongst people that's going to be eating pork, crab, shrimp, and lobster. Especially when that day come of judgment where there's war going on. Because we can't have any sin amongst us. So we must be together, brothers and sisters, with those of like mind. We must be in unity. Now, the Israelites who are not following the Bible, we're not expecting them to get with this. They're not going to make it. Only a remnant of Israel is going to make it. And that's those who know the the Most High's name, Ahiah. And who follow his commandments and are baptized. Everybody else, they're going to fall by the wayside, brothers and sisters. We got five more scriptures and we're going to close it out. We're going to go into some things that we need to do in order to maintain unity. We're going to Ephesians 4 and 1. This is how we maintain unity, brothers and sisters. We must maintain unity. I'm tired of seeing brothers talking about they don't like dark-skinned women or they don't like white-skinned women. Listen, brother, we don't care. (laughs) That's your personal preference. Keep it personal. Keep it to yourself. Because what you're doing is you're promoting more fighting amongst our people. Because that's what the sisters are saying. Well, they only go after girls of that particular hue or that particular shape. See? So you, by you doing that, now you have our sisters fighting. So... Brothers and sisters, we must be together and stop promoting the differences in our people. We're going to go to Ephesians 4 and 1 through 3. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vacation wherewith you are called. See, that's why I say we're slaves to this work, brothers and sisters. A lot of people say they, you know, they want to do the work. But nobody in their right mind asked to do this work, brothers and sisters. You are a slave to this work. I can't act like I don't know. I know too much. You know too much to try to go back into the world. You have now become a servant to this work. Your whole purpose is to wake up Jacob. That's your whole purpose. You are a servant. You are a slave to this work, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. See, so these are the things that must emanate from us, brothers and sisters. We must be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. See, that helps that helps us to continue to maintain unity, brothers and sisters. Right now we're divided amongst gang colors. Right? I actually see there's some brothers in New York. When I was living out there, where there's a there's there's two different groups and they're 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 split upon brands of clothing. So you have the Supreme team. That's what you call them, the Supreme team. So they don't like anybody who doesn't wear Supreme. Then you have the Bathe and Eight team. So they fight against those who wear Supreme. And I'm just like, what kind of slave? What kind of kind of slave mess is this? We fighting over who's wearing different brands now? <laughs> this is what we doing now? 
brothers and sisters, the gangs. Now I'll fight or I'll kill a brother because he has blue on. I'll kill a brother because he has red on. This is what they want us to perpetuate, brothers and sisters. Divide and conquer. We must be humble. We must be gentle. We must be patient. We must bear one another with love. Read one through three again, brother. Verse one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So we must be humble, brothers and sisters. We must be meek. That's how we must be amongst our people. And if you think that I try to tell brothers, you know, young brothers, just because I respect you, you know, I hear you out or somebody respects you, give ear to you. That don't make that don't mean they're scared of you, brother. <laughs> they just give you respect. If you think that somebody treating you with respect or listening to you, being comforting means you're scared of them. What kind of mentality do you have? So that means I. the only way I can respect you is if I'm scared of you. Is that what you're saying? Because a lot of our brothers, they feel like that. If, you, if, if I don't dish the brother, you know, if I don't, if I act humbly, then he may think I'm scared of him. Like, what? Where are you getting this mess from? You got that straight out of the Willie Lynch book, didn't you? Just because somebody treats you with respect, soft spoken, listen to you, hear you out, take your opinion. That don't mean they're scared of you. That means they respect you. I would much rather be respected than feared because fear run out. You much more, you have more men that'll be willing to jump in front of a bullet for you if they respect you, not if they're scared. Know the difference, brothers and sisters. We're going to Romans 14 and then we're going to Romans 12. We got a few more scriptures and we're going to close it out. We're rounding it up, brothers and sisters. This is the part on unity. Unity, brothers and sisters, must emanate from our nation. Romans 14 and 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputation. So we don't quarrel, brothers and sisters, over opinions, right? So what it's saying is, you know, if you're strong, you bear the failings of the weak. That's what you do. If you're strong, then you carry your brother. You carry your sister for a time. If you're the weak one, then you go to your brother or your sister so he can carry you. Period. Go to Romans 15 and 1, brother, through 3. Romans 15 and 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. See? Read it again. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. See? So when a brother needs some, he needs you to help him. You don't use that as an opportunity to go tell, hey, yo, you know he needed my help, right? Yeah, I just wanted to show you. I just wanted to tell you he needed my help. He couldn't do it on his own. See, that's what our people do. You ask them for help, and then the person who you ask for help run right away. Like, yeah, man, he needed my help. He needed about hundred dollars. Like, yeah, he have it. Yeah, he have it. Yeah, he needed a place to stay. Yeah, you know me. Had to hook him up. See, it's really about you trying to show your philanthropy. It's not really about you helping your brother. You really did that so you can use that as a tool to say you're over somebody. See, read, read, read that again, brother. Verse one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. <clears throat> Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that re reproach thee fell on me. Right. So, brothers and sisters, we must protect each other. We are our brethren's keeper, our sister's keeper. 
All indications show that unity and peace are contrary to human nature, brothers and sisters. The adversary detests peace and unity. His desire is to divide God's people so that they may be easy prey to conquer, brothers and sisters. Unity must be one of our highest priorities. Highest, brothers and sisters. Because just imagine all people of color being under, you know, galvanizing under one ideology. Who, who, who could beat us? Who could do something to us? Literally, who could do something to us physically? All of our people, the Hispanics, the Negroes, the Natives, all band together with one plain ideology. Who could beat us? Nobody, as long as we're following our God. Because if we're not following our God, then we're weak. But with our God and all of us, when you look at the boxers, who are the greatest boxers? The Hispanics, the Negroes, right? The Oscar De La Hoyas. The, the Floyd Mayweathers, the Mike Tysons, it's our people. The Felix Trinidads, it's our people, brothers and sisters. The greatest athletes, who is that? So if our people came together and start looking at each other as opposition, and see what we do, a lot of times is we think there's only room for one black guy or one person of color, so we'll try to step on each other because we believe there's only space for one of us in this white world. All of us can't get in. I need to get in. Back up off me and let me go. This is what we believe. We believe it's only room for one uppity Negro, one uppity Hispanic. Listen, what we do is we we get in the door and then we leave the door open for our brethren. Now the inmates is running the building. That's what we do. You get in and you leave the door open for your brother to get in, your sisters to get in, brothers and sisters. Unity is our highest priority. We're going to Romans 12 and 18 and we're going to end it on Psalms. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. <clears throat> Romans 12 and 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. Not just Israelites, Gentiles too. Even though I, I have the understanding that I have, I can be amongst Gentiles and not make them feel bad. And there's nothing that they can do to make me feel bad. Because I have the knowledge of myself, I have the knowledge of my God. So irregardless of the things that come out of their mouth, because a lot of times some of the stuff they say is repugnant and it's flagrant. But because I have rooted myself and I know the truth of who I am and who they are and who my God is, it doesn't bother me. So try to be amongst, you know, at peace with all people because that's Christ-like. Christ almost converted Pontius Pilate to follow his, you know, his belief. And Pontius Pilate was the one who had the decree to kill Christ. He said Christ was so humble, so meek, that he almost converted him. That's how we must be, brothers and sisters. Just because somebody's wrong or somebody have offended you, be peaceful with them, brothers and sisters. Because why? The Most High, he is the one who gets the vengeance. If somebody have done something to you, you pray to your God. That's what I do. Somebody try to hurt me, I go right to my prayer room. I go right to my closet. And pray to the Most High. Listen, I, I need you to handle that situation because I don't want to handle it. Because if I handle it, I'm going to sin. That's what you do. Because the Most High can do things to them that you couldn't do. Yeah. The Most High can hit them in all the places you can't reach. Uh-huh. Your arms are not long enough to box with God. Go to the Most High when somebody has done something to you. And let Him take care of it. Because you can't do it. Because if you do it, then He won't. If you exact your judgment, the Most High is not going to exact His judgment. So you go to the most high and you tell them, this is what the person did to me. This is how they made me feel. I don't feel safe around them or whatever. I need you to, I need you to handle it, Father. 
and let him do it, brothers and sisters. That's what I do. I don't go back and forth with brothers. I don't go back and forth with my sisters. Somebody trying to attack me, attack the church, attack the doctrine, I go straight to the Most High and let them know, listen, I, we got somebody, a naysayer, a tailbearer that's looking to destroy the work. Now, if this person destroy the work, they're destroying your work. So really, they're not going against me. They're going against you. I need you to please step in. Because if I step in, I'm, I'm going to sin. That's what you do, brothers and sisters. We must be at peace with all men. We must be. We're going to Philippians 2 and 3, and then we'll close it at Psalms 133. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, brothers and sisters. We're talking about unity here. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through, through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. See, so we must care about our brethren before ourselves. We must lift our brothers up. Before we lift ourselves up, brothers and sisters, the secret to unity begins in how we view ourselves and how we view others. This verse addresses that. I spoke with a brother months ago and uh, we were just conversing about what changed. What was the thing that changed the most in us understanding the knowledge? And I told the brother, the thing that changed in me almost instantaneously in the most was the love I had for my people, the patience I had for my people. Now knowing who we are. I'm much more patient with my people. I'm much more loving with my people. I'm much more long-serving, long-suffering with my people. Now, I know. That's the greatest thing that have changed in me was how I viewed my people because I no longer see thugs and criminals. I now see kings and queens, princes and princesses. So because of that, I have tailored the way I act with my people. I allow my people to get loud and do all of that with me because those are my people. And if you bless our people, you will be blessed. Because a lot of them, they don't know what they're doing. Just like Christ said, forgive them, Lord, for they, they don't know what they're doing. A lot of our people don't even know what they're doing when they're coming against you. They're coming against Christ. And they don't even know it. So you got to be patient, be loving, be caring. Be sensitive, brothers and sisters, to our people. And that will rub off. Our people are some of the most loving people there is. We know that. We got brothers who will go to prison for not telling on another one of our brothers. So we got the love. It's placed. It's, it's in the wrong direction. But we do have love for our people. Right? We, we must be unified, brothers and sisters. We must show unity. We're going to close it out at Psalms 133 and verse 1, brothers and sisters. The making of a slave. The things that we went over today, brothers and sisters... Is how they made us into good slaves. Psalms 133 verse 1. A song of degrees of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Read that again. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. See, that's a blessing brothers and sisters. For us to live amongst each other. To be amongst each other without any contention. The Most High commands unity amongst Israel because why once conflict enters the midst of any assembly or entity or gathering or people what happens the productivity the usefulness eventually grind to a screeching halt the whole organization is weakened and becomes vulnerable to attack brothers and sisters that's why we must be unified why do people fear gangs because they're unified right you walk into the mall you see 20 people with red bandanas on you're like oh hold on why? Because you know they got one mindset. Same way with us, brothers and sisters. 
Same way with the military. The military is psychology behind how they all wear the same thing. That's psychology to the enemy to let you know, listen, we all think the same. We all do the same thing. We all dress the same. We all have the same ideology. That's where we must be, brothers and sisters. Not in a militia form, but in the unity. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 1. A song of degrees of David. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Right. Our people should always stand together, brothers and sisters, because unity not only gives strength, but it's also important for survival, brothers and sisters. Unity gives freedom. Never allow any negative influence to break our unity, brothers and sisters. We must be unified. We must envision and treasure unity, brothers and sisters. This lesson was how to make a slave. We went into the slave mentality of the way we've been programmed and the result of it today, brothers and sisters. Let's all do our part to change that mentality, brothers and sisters. You change the world by first changing yourself. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more. Oh
Talk on that way. If you're doing a word of woe.